It would have been so easy just to preach what I preached this morning, <laughs> Life Tabernacle, and I wanted to, but the Lord has taken me in, in a different direction, and I feel like I have what we need tonight. Going to 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 and verse number 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 3. So appreciate our dear friends, the Vonas and the Deezes. I was thinking about that tonight, that I need to spend more time with these men. I miss that. Our times of getting together for coffee, and we got to do that more often. Amen. God is good, and I believe that God is for us. God is for you no matter who you are. God is really on your side. He wants you in his kingdom. He wants you to make it. And hopefully tonight I can leave you with a key that I'm working on. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 and verse number 3 says, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but, now look at this next word, I never saw this before, but the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. You see, we have the upper hand. Amen. We have the upper hand. They're mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringeth into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience, when your obedience is fulfilled. I'm going to title this message, Security Detail. Security detail. Father, help us tonight, we pray, God, to receive what your spirit would say to us, the church of the living God, and I pray that you will help us in, in these hours, in this last days that we live in. God, we need you more than ever. We need to be strong. We need to be the light of the world. We need to be the people of God. But we cannot be that without your help and your protection and your blessing. So we pray tonight, God, that you'll help us and be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Why don't you clap your hands as you're seated? Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. Praise God. You may be seated. It's good to have Brother McMahon from Utica with us today. Appreciate this, brother. Faithful man of God. Amen, a good man of God, and we're so, so blessed. And this message is actually not even really developed, I have to confess. So I'm kind of stepping out on a limb here. I was just writing down some thoughts last night, and but I'm just going to go for it. How's that sound? <laughs> when you think about where we live in our world, I think we underestimate how much we are actually protected from our enemies 
in our world. There are people that are alive in our world today that would take such a delight in destroying our country if they could. But the truth is, they really would have a hard time doing that because in place, in our country, are many protective security measures that keep us safe. Uh, when we go to bed at night, we don't have to worry, uh, knock on wood, God willing, of some nation just deciding to shoot a missile our way. <laughs> you know, when uh, Iran shot down that plane the other day, I said to myself, it was kind of like, oops, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, we shot down a civilian plane by mistake. You don't want a country like that having nukes, do you? Oh, we made a mistake. <laughs> sorry, Washington, D.C. or New York City. When you think about how frail life can really be, when you think about how protected we really are, and you think about spiritually, that just like our country needs 24-hour protection from the enemy of our country, the enemies, you and I need a 24-hour protection on our lives. These are the last days. The enemy is real. The challenges of life are real, and we need a protection. And in prayer, I was thinking about, you know, the, the key people of our country, they have... They have secret service. They have security details. The president has a security detail that surrounds him. And, you know, they're all there with their, their comm mics, and they're all talking into their, their, their head mics and their lapel mics and listening in with their, with their Bluetooth in their ear and talking about where the president's about to go and scanning for, for any kind of unseen uh, ambushes or traps. And, and it's not just the president. It's the president's family that is also uh, protected by security detail. And, and it's not just the president and his family. It's the vice president and his family. It's the speaker of the house and her family and the Senate majority leader and his family. People that are in important positions in our country have 24-hour protection. And I thought about... We've got to have protection. I've got to have a protection on my soul. I've got to have a protection on my wife. I've got to have a, I've got to have a security detail on my children. I've got to have a security detail on my grandchildren. And so the Bible says that though we walk in the flesh, we do walk in this flesh, we do not war after the flesh. This isn't a physical battle. And when we battle with people, we're not really battling with people. Uh, we are battling with the spirit behind the people. We are battling with the spirit of our culture. We are battling with the spirit of the, of the age and of the air. But the Bible says that, that we have the upper hand because our weapons of, of our warfare are not carnal. Our weapons are mighty through God. We've got the weapon of prayer. We've got the weapon of worship. We've got the weapon of godly living. We've got the weapon of, of obedience to God. And so the Bible tells us that, that we have to use these weapons. And we've got the weapon of the word of God. We've got to cast down imaginations. And we have to cast down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. 
What the enemy tries to do to you is he tries to destroy your faith. He tries to destroy your faith. This morning I preached a message at Life Tabernacle. Set that The message was this. We have to learn to not see the things that we see. And we need to learn to see the things that we don't see. We've got to learn to not see the things that we see, but to see the things that we don't see. Whose report will you believe? I will believe the report of the Lord. His report says, I am healed. His report says, I am filled. His report says, I am free. His report says, victory. His report says, I am a child of God. His report says, my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. His report says, I have eternal life. And so we've got to learn to, to not see the things that we see but we've got to learn to see the things that we don't see. One time there were four leprous men in 2 Kings chapter number 7 and verse 3. And the four leprous men uh, were, were, were in a famine because the nation was in a famine. And they made a decision. They said, uh, let's go and deliver ourselves into the hand of the city. Because if, or in the hand of the enemy. Because if we stay in the city... The famine is in the city, and we're going to die there. If we sit still here, we die also. Now therefore, come, let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they will save us alive, we shall live, and if they kill us, we shall but die. Now, so they decided that we're going to go march right into the enemy's camp. Oh, I, I think I'm going to hit the target right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. My wife said it tonight. Hey, if, if you're not ready to battle, if you're not ready to engage in a battle, but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, we've got the upper hand. You go into, the, here's the thing. These four leprous men are saying, if, you know, if we stay here in the city, we're going to die of famine. If, if we sit here, we're going to die. Let's just, let's just go, uh, go into the camp of the enemy and see what will befall us there. Well, well, guess what? What walked into that camp of the enemy was not just four leprous men. Why? Because the angel of the, uh, the, angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him. When you and I engage in battle, we don't engage in battle alone because we've got a security detail there with us, surrounding us, operating with us, protecting us, fighting our battle for us, doing what we cannot do. When we go into battle, we do not go into battle alone. The Lord God is on our side. This is not a battle that I have to fight by myself. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. And so when they went into the city, in verse 5, they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp, of Syria, so so they're they're about to go and engage the enemy. And the reality was there was no battle that even took place. You see, the Bible says the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Truth is, he cannot devour a single one of us. The only thing he tries to do is get to stop our faith. That's really all of what he's about. He's trying to get you to quit. He's trying to get you to give up. He's trying to get you to not believe. He's trying to get you to look at all of what you can see. 
He's trying to get you to look at all the obstacles, all the hindrances, all the problems. Instead of you seeing the God of the impossible, instead of seeing God who's able to deliver you and God is able to see you through. All the devil's trying to do is trying to stop your faith. The reality was the battle was already won. When they got to the edge and the uttermost part of the camp in verse number 8, there was nobody there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They fled. They rose and they fled in twilight. They left their tents and their horses and their, and their donkeys, and even the camp as it was, and they fled for their life. You see, we've got a security detail. As long as we are walking with the Lord, as long as we're in obedience to God, no matter how bad it may seem and how difficult the road may be, we've got a protection that surrounds us and the Lord is with us. We've got a security detail. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I love in Psalm 34, the Bible says, if you ever read the caption at the beginning of Psalm 34 and verse 1, a Psalm of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, who drove him away. And he departed. <laughs> David had nowhere to go but to the camp of the enemy. He had nothing to do but to decide to engage the enemy in whatever battle would come his way. And when he went to Abimelech, he feigned madness. He, he couldn't, Saul was chasing him down like a dog. Uh, Saul was jealous. Saul was trying to kill him. He had nowhere to go. go. He was cornered. He was pinned in. So, so he decided, okay, I'm just going to go to Abimelech's house and I'm going to act like a crazy man and I'm going to see what will happen to me. And when he got there, the enemy said, this man's mad. He's no prob problem at all. Let him pass on through. And that's why David wrote these words. This is, these are the words that came out of that. Oh, if you could only know and experience the deliverance when you walk by faith. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. At all times, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Why? Because I just saw God do something miraculous. I should have been dead. I should have been destroyed. This man, Abimelech, should have taken my life. But, but through the help of God, he saw me as, as nothing, and he let me go. And that's what the, the enemy can't touch you. The enemy cannot do anything to you. All he can do is rear his ugly head, but he cannot, he cannot harm you. No harm shall befall you because God is with you. And that's why David said, I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. Why? Because he's with me at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. Why? Because the Lord is with me continually. Hallelujah. David said, my soul is going to make its boast in the Lord, and the humble there shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Now look at what David said. He said, because I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. They looked upon him, and they were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried. Oh, if you've cried recently, the Lord hears your cry. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles. Why? He's got a security detail. It says it in the next verse, Psalm 34 and 7. For the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that feareth him and delivereth them. 
I've got a security detail that goes with me everywhere I go. As long as I walk in faith, yeah, things come my way, negative things that... That, that things that confound me and things that confuse me and things that frustrate me, things that even get me to fear. But the Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and they are safe. I'm safe within my security detail. I'm safe within the presence of God who surrounds me and keeps me. Hallelujah. Praise God. The Lord is nine, verse 18, unto them that are of a broken heart. And he saves such as be of a contrite spirit. When you're broken, when life has chewed you up and spit you out and left you for dead, don't give up hope because you have a security detail. You know what you need to do? James said it like this. In James chapter 5 and verse number 6, the Bible says, God gives more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud but he gives grace to the humble. When we are broken and we are humble, that's when God steps out of his glory into the middle of our situation and God wraps his arms around us. James says it like this, when, when you're broken and when, when you're in this situation and you are surrounded by the enemy on every side and you don't know what to do, when you are surrounded, completely surrounded, and when, when everything is breaking down in your life and everything looks, looks hopeless and bleak, what do you do in that moment? You just get in the security detail position. You just get down on your knees. Humble yourself in the sight of God. Lord, I'm pinned in. Lord, I'm surrounded by the enemy on every side, God. Lord, I'm powerless. And the Lord says, you know what? You're not powerless. I am with you. The Bible says when we submit ourselves to God, the Bible says submit yourself to God. Stop trying to push against. This is what we do. We fight it. We try to fight it ourselves in our flesh. We try to fight it off with our, with our human ability. And we get weary and we get tired. And we feel like, I, well, you know what? That's the problem. You've got to stop fighting it yourself. The Bible says, submit yourself, therefore, unto God. Just submit yourself to the Lord. Say, Lord, speak it. I'm in submission to you, Lord. I'm surrendered to you completely right now, God. I'm surrendered to you. I am completely at your disposal. Whatever you want with me, God. And the Bible says, submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Hallelujah. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted. <laughs> oh, see, that's what, we, that's what we rebel against. That's what we push against. Be afflicted. Embrace your affliction. The power of submission. The power of being broken. The power of submitting yourself to God and saying, God, you see everything that's happening to me right now. You see where I'm at. You know exactly what I'm going through. And Lord, I submit to this right now. I humbly submit. Lord, why? Because I'm going to stop fighting my own battle. And Lord, I'm going to let you fight my battle. And he is going to start fighting your battle. Be afflicted, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into heaviness. 
Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Praise God. We have a security detail. We have a security detail. Peter in 1 Peter was talking to a persecuted church, a church that was going through a tremendous amount of spiritual pressure. And as he began to speak to the church in verse 3, he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection from the dead. You know, we serve the Lord Jesus Christ. We are in the kingdom of God. We have an eternal future. We are the children of Almighty God. And if you, if you belong to him, you are a child of God. You are his property. God, you are his. And he is yours. And so he reminds them that we have an inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled. Our inheritance does not fade away. And it's reserved in heaven for you. Now, why does Peter tell them that? He's reminding them, don't give up. Don't quit. Don't quit. Look at what you have waiting for you. He says in verse number five that we have a security detail. He said we are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein, now look at what he says, wherein you greatly rejoice. You rejoice. <laughs> oh, man. That's our problem. We don't rejoice. We complain. <laughs> Complaining is, is the opposite of faith. <laughs> Rejoicing is acting in faith. Rejoice, though now for a season, everyone say season. season. My brother, my sister, my beloved, it is just a season you're going through. It's just a season. It's going to pass. Though now for a season... If need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Is there anybody under the sound of my voice that you've been dealing with some manifold temptations? That the trial of your faith, you see, your faith is being put to the test, being much more precious than gold that perishes. Your faith is the most precious thing you've got. Though it be tried with fire, it might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. You see, if you'll keep your faith, your faith is going to be praised when we get to the other side. The angels are going to talk about, oh, did you see what that sister went through? Can you believe what she went through? The, the insurmountable circumstances, the, the defeat, the, the struggle, the grief, the pain, the suffering. But did you see her keep her faith? And she did not give up her faith, but she kept the faith. She kept believing, even though everything said, stop believing. What's the use? Things are never going to change. Things are never going to get better. But she kept the faith. And it's going to be talked about, and it's going to be praised, and it's going to be honored. Hallelujah. Whom, have, whom having not seen, 
you love. Hallelujah. There's another scripture about we need to stop seeing what we see and start seeing what we don't see. Hallelujah. We've got to learn how to see the things of God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I want to share with you a couple of things that I did share with our church this morning. And Jacob was a man who, when his favorite son Joseph had had a dream, and in his dream he saw that one day he was going to be a ruler and a leader, Jacob saw his dreams come crashing down. I'm reminded of his life because after he was sold as a slave to Egypt by his brothers, his brothers had to figure out, what are we going to tell dad? What are we going to tell dad about this? And one brother came up with a brilliant idea, and he said, I have an idea. Let's take, let's take his favorite coat, the one that dad gave him, and let's slay an animal, and let's take the blood of that animal and dip the coat in the blood of that animal, and let's bring it back to dad and, and just tell dad we found this. Now, the sad tragedy is Jacob automatically assumed that Joseph had been killed. Jacob forgot God keeps his promises. Jacob should have chosen not to see what he saw. And he should have chosen to see what he could not see. And that is, my son must be alive. Instead of saying to himself, my son is dead. He should have said, you know, I may not know what happened to him, but somehow it's going to be okay. But instead of that, he saw his son's bloody coat and he believed what he saw. Sometimes you and I have got to unsee what we see. We have to unsee the negative circumstance. We have to unsee the obstacles. We have to unsee the thing that's defeating our faith. Now, this did not stop God from keeping his promise from coming to pass. God had a promise. And the promise was this. One day, Joseph is going to rule his brothers. He's going to rule his family. But Jacob's unbelief did not stop the promise from coming to pass. But what did happen was this. Here was his son Joseph rising to the top, being promoted, not only alive, but in second in command in the greatest nation of the world. And here was Jacob in Canaan land, still grieving, still living a gloomy, unfruitful life. All the while, his son was seeing God's promise come to pass. The sad thing is, during all of those years of Jacob dwelling on the negative thing that was not even true, you do not read about a single good and fruitful thing that happened in his life. His own life was not blessed. His relationship with the rest of his family suffered because of the lie he believed in, all because he focused on something that was negative. If you're not careful, your focus on what's negative can actually hurt other relationships, even more important ones, all for no reason, because God is working it all out behind the scenes. Think of the blessed and fruitful life if Jacob just refused to believe what he saw 
and instead believed what he could not see in the promises of God. Negativity paralyzes you. It taints your vision. It hinders you. It depresses you. It hurts your relationship with everyone around you. All those years, Jacob did nothing but be depressed and grieve. He did not help his other sons to become better. They were a spiritual mess. I wonder if they could have done better if their dad did not become a depressed and negative man. All he could see were the negative things that were not even true. His other sons needed him. He could have trained them. He could have improved them. What would have happened if instead of acting in defeat and negativity, Jacob would have acted in faith instead? What would have happened if Jacob said, nope, I don't believe it. God promised he's going to rule the family. My son is not dead. He can't be dead. The brothers would have seen their dad's faith, and they would have said, somehow, dad knows the truth. Joseph is alive. They could have transformed their situation. They could have said to one another, how does dad know that? Did you tell him? I didn't tell him. Must be our dad really is a man of God. Must be. It must be this God is really real. Think about the fruit Jacob could have had in his sons if he would have acted in faith instead of acting in defeat. We can greatly affect them for good or bad depending on how we respond to our negative circumstances. Hallelujah. But when he discovered his son was alive and God's promises were fulfilled... The Bible says when he saw the great caravan, you know, even when they came to Jacob, he was so defeated. He was so unbelieving that even when his sons came to him and said, guess what, Dad, you're not going to believe this. Joseph is still alive, and he's second in command in all of Egypt land. The Bible says that, that he didn't even believe what they said. And unbelief had become so entrenched in his life, even when he heard the report of the fact that his son was still alive. He refused to believe it. But then when he saw the caravan, you see, Pharaoh sent a caravan, hundreds of servants, chariots and, and, and wagons and all these kinds of things from Egypt. To, they were like a moving caravan come to bring Jacob and his family to Egypt. When he saw this, the Bible says this, in verse 26 of Genesis chapter 45, and when they said Joseph is alive and governor of the land of Egypt, Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. And they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them. And when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob their father revived. So it's not all bad. His spirit revived when he saw the evidence of what was already true, his spirit revived, and he said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive, and I will go see him before I die. But what would have happened if years ago he would have revived his spirit ahead of time and said, you know what, I believe some, somehow, somewhere out there, I can't see where Joseph is, but God promised that my son is going to be a leader. God has promised my son's going to be okay. Somehow, some way, my son is not dead. My son is alive. Praise God. Peter said in 1 Peter that we are kept by the power of God through faith. You see, that's our security detail. Brother McMahon, okay, I'm going to use you... Um, 
How about some other? I don't know everybody here, but I'll, I'll use you, Pastor D's. And what's your name, young man? David. David, okay. Pastor Vona. So here I am in the middle of my trial. I'm fighting in my flesh. I'm battling. I, I, I'm trying to engage the battle of the mind. And I am losing big time. I'm battling with my efforts. I'm battling with my energy. I'm putting all my energy into this negative stuff going around in my life. But finally, I get to the point where I, I can't do anymore. And I surrender to the Lord. And I say, Lord, I don't know how. But Lord, I trust you. I believe you. You're going to get me through this. You're going to hear my prayer. All my family is going to be saved. Your promises are going to come to pass in my life. Come on up here, Brother McMahon. All of a sudden, here comes my detail. Lord, your word is true. The devil's a liar. Here comes my detail. Lord, my children are not even all going to be saved. My children are going to be mightily used by God. Here comes my detail. Come on up here, sister. <laughs> Hallelujah. When I start believing, David, come on up here, David. I start quoting the word of God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. By my God, I can run through a troop. I can leap over a wall. Hallelujah. Here's my detail. Pastor Vona, I will not fear what the enemy might try to do to me. The enemy has fallen into the pit which the enemy has laid. Here's my detail. You see, when I believe God, when I, you know why you come to church? We got a ready-made detail. We got a ready-made seek security detail. You know, when I come to the house of the Lord and I see the people of God there, I just, I, I, I rejoice in my spirit because I realize I'm not fighting this battle of my own. If one can put a thousand to flight, the Bible says, two can put 10,000 to flight. I'm in a place of safety. I'm in a place where the enemy can't do a single thing to me because I've got a detail. And what, what the devil tries to do is he tries to pick off my faith and, and destroy my detail, but I'm not going to let him do that. I'm going to keep on believing. I'm going to keep on trusting. I'm going to keep on speaking faith to my situation. I've got to... I'm not going to let the enemy put negative words in my mouth. I'm not going to say things will never change. I'm going to say things are going to change. I'm not going to say things will never get better. I'm going to say things are going to get better. I'm never going to say that person I'm praying for is never going to get saved. I'm going to say that person I'm praying for is going to be in the house of the Lord. Their soul is going to be set free. I'm not going to say they're getting worse. I'm going to say they're getting better. I'm not going to see the things that I see. I'm going to choose to see the things that I don't see. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you all for helping me there. There was a story in the book of 2 Kings. We've got even an invisible security detail when we walk in faith. It's easy to see it when we can see that physically represented, but the fact of the matter is we have a spiritual detail, a security detail in our life. In 2 Kings chapter number 6, the king of Syria kept getting with his commanders and saying, we're going to go attack and ambush the children of Israel. The musicians can get ready to come. 
So they plan this whole thing out. The enemy is always planning on what he's going to try to do to you, or the people of God, I should say. And so the, the king of Syria said, okay, uh, let's just say they're going to go by. Tomorrow they're going to be in Cicero, right? So we're going to be in Cicero all set up, hiding with our camouflage, so when they come by, we're going to surprise them, and we're going to fall upon them and attack them. Well, the problem was there was a man of God in Israel, the prophet Elijah, Elisha. And Elisha says to the king of Israel, hey, stay away from Cicero tomorrow because the king of Syria is going to ambush you there. And so they wouldn't go by Cicero tomorrow. And so the king of Syria, he says, he brings all of his people in, all of his commanders in. He says, okay, who's the spy among us? And who's the one that's telling the king of Israel our plans? And so one man speaks up and he says, no one, sir, but there's a man of God in Israel, a prophet of God, who is so good at hearing from God, he can even tell what you say in your bedroom when nobody's listening. And so the king of Syria says, all right, we're going to go after the man of God. We're going after the man of God. And so while they slept at night, the servant doesn't even give his name, and Elisha are in their tent. They wake up in the morning, and the servant gets out of the tent, opens the door, looks up at the sky, stretches his arms, yawns. Nature calls. You know, back in those days, they didn't have public facilities or whatever. He decides to go do what he has to do. He looks, and he's surrounded by the enemy all around. Surrounded by the enemy. You see, you and I, you and I are trying to do the work of God here. And sometimes the enemy attacks you because of that. The servant runs back to the tent. Master, master. We're doomed. It's over. It's ended. There's no way out of this situation. There is no way out. We, we are done for. There is no hope. The enemy has surrounded us on every side, and there is no escape. No escape. You ever feel like that before in your life when you're in the middle of something and there just feels like there is no escape? But Elisha says to his servant, these words. He says, don't be afraid. Fear not. Fear not, verse 16. They that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee open his eyes that he may see. What did he see? He saw the enemy. What did he not see? He didn't see what was invisible. And when the Lord opened his eyes of the young man, he saw, and behold, the mountain of God, the mountain was full of chariots and horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. 
We need to see our security detail. No matter how many foes rise up against you, they that be for us are always going to be more than be than that what be with them. Always. Always. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, the Bible says. They that be with us are always more than they that be with them. Well, where were they? They were there all along. They were there before the enemy even got there. They were already in place, ready to go to battle. When you say, Lord, where are you? He's already there with a shield of protection. He's your security detail. Don't be afraid. They that be with us are more than they that be with them. How do I keep my security details strong? I'm going to give you some, some tips. We need a security detail. The first thing is this. We come to Jesus. We make him the Lord of our life. If Jesus is not the Lord of your life, you need to make him the Lord of your life tonight. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, oh, what a security detail. <laughs> Oh, that security detail, that blanket, that covering that covers all the sins you've ever committed and your sins are washed away. You need to repent and be baptized in Jesus' name. You need the Holy Ghost. What a security detail. The Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God Almighty living inside of us. You need the Holy Ghost. There's another security detail. It's called prayer. It's called prayer. The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God. Prayer is mighty. When the enemy starts attacking you, don't fall into a woe is me. You start going into his territory. You start praying for everybody your mind can think of. Man, the devil, when he attacks me, he makes a tactical error. Because now I'm praying for brother so-and-so, and I'm praying for their family. I'm praying for this person. I'm praying for that person. Hallelujah. Some of the most difficult times of my life are times when I was about to go pray for somebody in the hospital. Boy, the enemy just rears his ugly head. But you know what happens? When I go to pray for somebody in the hospital, I might walk into that room feeling like an old man, feeling like I can't walk another step. But I walk out of there with the power of God, feeling like God is on my side. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Pray. Get in the word of God. That's your security detail. Come to the house of God. Come to the house of the Lord. The name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and are safe. You know, it's the same way with the church. You know, the, the, the most important time to go to church is when you feel like it the least. Do you know that? Do you Make that a law in your life. Make that a law. That if I ever get to the point where I just feel like I can't go to church tonight. You know what you say? You know what? Tonight's the night I'm going to the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Because my security details there waiting for me. I've never, ever come to church and said to myself, boy, I regret going to church. <laughs> Hallelujah. And faith. Hold on to your faith with an ironclad grip that won't let go. No matter what happens. No matter what my 
human eyes can see, no matter how bleak it looks, no matter how difficult the situation, no matter how insurmountable the circumstance, no matter how, how hopeless something may seem, I'm going to say, no, Lord, I'm not seeing the end of this story. I see who is him who is invisible. I see what you can do. You know, the Bible says faith calls those things which are not as, as though they were. My, my loved one is saved. What do you mean they're, not, they're saved? They're, they're still not in church? Nope, my loved one is saved. I'm going to call that thing which is not as though it is. My finances are going to get better. My health is going to get better. I, I'm, I am healed in Jesus' name. God is going to do this somehow, some way. He's going to make a way. Somehow, some way, it's going to get better. Somehow, some way, things are going to change. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep trusting. It took a while for Abraham and Sarah to see the promised child. It was an impossibility, and it took a while, but they kept believing. They kept trusting, and one day they saw their miracle come to pass. It took a while for Joseph to become second in command in Egypt and to see his, his brothers come and kneel before him. But it happened because he kept his faith. And because he kept his faith, he saw the miracle come to pass. It took a while for the children of Israel to cross over into the promised land. But those that kept faith saw the promised land with their own eyes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter Number 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'm going to believe in those things that I haven't seen yet. By faith, Noah being warned of God of things as not yet seen. He never saw rain. He never saw the judgment of God. But he says, God said it. I'm going to believe it, even though I have to wait for it. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should receive for an inheritance, obeyed, not even knowing where he was going. By faith, Moses in Hebrews 11 and 27 forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured. Now listen to what it says. Moses endured seeing him who was invisible. Seeing his security detail, God is with me. God is with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't we stand? He said in Jeremiah, I believe it was, I know my thoughts that I have towards you. They are thoughts of good and not of evil to give you an expected end. Behind the scenes of our lives, in the invisible realm, is a God who is with us every single day, sends angels to protect us, to watch over us, to keep us. We've got a security detail. I felt led to do this. Some of you feel a little bit uneasy about your security detail in your life. Some of you felt very vulnerable some of you have felt under attack in your life. Some of you have been dealing with things that have overwhelmed you that you just don't see how you're going to overcome them. Some of you are dealing with impossible situations. 
it seems like there's no hope. I want you to come to this altar right now because I believe that your security detail needs to be reinforced tonight. You don't have to do this alone. You've got people that will pray for you and pray with you. Can we come right now, those that just need something to happen in their life right now, these altars, I want you to make your way to the front. If you need your security detail to be reinforced, I know I need mine to be reinforced. I'm fighting some battles I've never fought before. And I'm not afraid to say, you know what? I could use a little bit of work on my security detail tonight. I could use some prayer. I could use some covering. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Why don't we come? And why, why don't you come and pray with those who've come made their way to this altar right now? And why don't you help be part of that security detail for one another?